This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by ReproTech. For the past 28 years, ReproTech has provided peace of mind and trusted protection for thousands of aspiring parents and their fertility storage needs. As the industry leader in egg and embryo storage, ReproTech offers shipping insurance and four regional cryo storage locations to choose from, each of which are AATB inspected and accredited with built-in safe rooms to protect from natural disasters like hurricanes, tornadoes, or wildfires. Even with these added benefits, ReproTech offers the most competitive pricing for storage in the industry. Learn more at ReproTech.com. That's R-E-P-R-O-T-E-C-H.com. And mention Egg Club to receive free shipping to any ReproTech location. This is Egology Club Podcast, episode number 14, Transport Trauma. Welcome to the club, the Eggology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern-day journey to parenthood. You're invited to join us as we share empowering real-life stories and change the conversation around family planning. Let's navigate this journey together. Make sure to follow us at eggologyclub.com. And now, meet your new BFF and fertility host, Valerie Landis. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome. This is the Eggology Club podcast, episode number 14. I am your host, Valerie Landis. If you don't already know me and this is your first show, welcome. I have been a fertility advocate and resource in this space of egg freezing for quite some time. I really want to be your girlfriend's guide on this journey. You know, life can take us down so many different paths. And just like some of the future shows that we're going to be playing on season two and interviews that we're going to be um, diving into, you're really going to see all the different aspects of where life can take you and how egg freezing can be an advantage and what you need to do to take advantage of the technology yourself. When I was originally mixing this episode, the news had not come out yet about Cleveland and the clinic in San Francisco having tank failures. The show I was putting together for you to listen to today was basically happening in real time. Because when we start talking about success rates, when we start talking about when we use our DNA, our eggs, our embryos, whatever we have stored, a lot of factors come into play. How were the eggs or embryos frozen? What kind of straw were they put on? How were they cryopreserved? How long were they in storage for? Are those technologies obsolete now? There's so many factors that are happening behind the scenes behind the curtain, in the lab, that it's kind of hard to compare clinic to clinic because every clinic's so different. So I was recently at a convention for reproductive specialists, um, a meeting, an industry meeting where we got together. And because of the current news and everything happening literally the week before, several programs and discussion topics were brought up at that meeting. I want you to tune in now to just a, a quick piece about some industry discussion. This is really behind the scenes. So take this with a grain of salt. It's a little hard to hear. you got a lot of you know different voices in the room, people that are giving their opinion. But the debate is more so on putting all your eggs in one basket, the big tanks versus the small tanks, and some of these lab issues that have many different opinions. 
love to understand your perspective on, on the larger versus smaller. I think the larger MBE chart gives you, I think, a two-year manufacturer's warranty only. On, on no, it's, it's five. On, on the small ones, the most of the big ones, it's five years. But, uh, but if you could just talk about that. And the other question that I fielded a lot in the last week is patients asking me, so, so you're not putting all my eggs in one basket. You, you're distributing them. <laughs> And to me, and my response has been pretty consistent, actually we are, and, and, and separating them seems like a larger risk because every time we have to go and find and find the correct embryo or the correct thing. So, so I, I just love to hear your thoughts on, on, on the large versus the small and also whether or not we should be distributing risk in, in, in going through that logistical and, 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 and data entry headache of actually separating out. Right. So, Larger versus smaller. I have a different opinion on my approaches. Um, I think you know the the smaller ones probably probably more solid than, than the larger ones. Again, I'm not an expert. Um, I'm just simply looking at from the point that the system when it gets more complicated, more chances to go something wrong. Hopefully that wasn't too hard to follow along with as we had that discussion inside that meeting. To give you a little background, the industry is now debating how the big tanks fare in the clinics when they're kept storage on site versus the small tanks. So there's two types of tanks that are currently in practice or in the labs today, and they have advantages and disadvantages so there's no right answer. If your clinic uses big tanks or if your clinic uses small tanks, they're both fine. They just have advantages and they have both have disadvantages. Equally so, when we talk about how this topic has now sparked a discussion regarding separating your eggs or embryos into multiple different tanks if they're small or whether you want to keep them for off-site storage or whether you want to keep them at the lab at all, this is kind of the debate that's happening within the industry. Because of the news and everything that's happened more recently, it has brought up the conversation about whether the eggs and the embryos should be kept on site and if you want to do that, if it makes sense. Now, if you think you're going to use your eggs or embryos five to 10 years before you use your DNA, I think the offsite storage is a great option. Plus, they do it well. These off-site storage locations, they have built-in disaster precautions that, depending on the geography and where you're located, and make sure that they protect your DNA, which I find very comforting. And so I want to bring to light just some key things that we should be thinking about when it comes to using our frozen eggs. I mean, we did all of this hard work and freezing our DNA and, and planning for our future, you know, eventually at some point we may need to use our eggs and hopefully we become pregnant naturally. But if there's a situation that arises or we become a, an age where that's maybe not conducive or easy, that's what our frozen eggs are frozen for, right? So I want to talk about what happens behind the curtain at the lab. When we freeze our eggs, depending on when we froze them, that's the key part of this whole thing is that if you froze in 2012, the ASRM guideline had just approved egg freezing for commercial use beyond if you had a cancer diagnosis or some kind of life-threatening illness. So the time period in which you froze is very important 
because technology has shifted and changed so rapidly among uh, freezing techniques. Now, this may not happen in every case, but it's something you should be aware of, that when we move our eggs, when we transport them from one lab facility to another lab facility, it brings a level of risk. Now, when I say risk, it's not that it would be unfeasible to move eggs or even embryos or even frozen sperm to another location, but you should be aware that technology may be different in that lab. Also, the personnel in that lab are going to be different. Their quality level of training may differ from facility to facility. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that when you decide to move or transport any DNA material, there's some key questions you should ask. The key questions that come top of mind are inquiring with the original lab and facility. You'll want to ask them what type of device was used to freeze your DNA. Next, you'll want to ask about insurance. You can get insurance for when you move or transport any of your frozen eggs or embryos, which is kind of nice. Now, this is an extra expense, but I think it's worth it. If something were to happen during the transport, it just provides a financial reimbursement for that loss. Next, I would inquire with the lab that you're transporting to and ask for the staff to be prepared to be equipped to handle those technologies, devices, and be able to thaw successfully. Having all of that reassurance will just prepare both the lab transporting your DNA to the new lab that's going to receive your DNA. So there's no impactful situation that would occur due to that transportation. It'll give you peace of mind and on behind the lab scene that you'd want to prepare and think about if you're planning on transporting your DNA. I highly recommend that if it's at all possible, go back to the original facility that you actually froze the first time at. It guarantees a little bit more continuity and security that your specimens and your DNA will be handled with the same care that it was handled when it was frozen. But if that's not possible, it's okay to freeze and move your DNA somewhere else. It's just a risk that you should be made aware of and keep in the forefront of your mind that that's a possibility. Well, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. Freezing your eggs is a smart first step for family planning. However, it's not the only step to think about. Deciding what happens to your eggs once they're collected is just as important. The Law Office of Ashley Pittman offers the Fertility Preservation Trust, providing advanced disposition options and legal protection for your frozen eggs and embryos even after death. While clinics and cryobanks can protect your DNA, they cannot plan for your life circumstances. By establishing a Fertility Preservation Trust for your eggs and embryos, you you were able to express your unique wishes in writing, amend the trust to reflect your life circumstances, and provide clear direction for the maintenance and disposition of your precious DNA. Learn more at TrustFertility.com. That's TrustFertility.com. Trust Fertility. Peace of mind for the future. Okay, and we're back. Well, thanks for sticking with us. Today we have a great guest. Her name is Mimi Fox. So sit back, relax, find a comfy spot to listen to this interview today because it's a really good example and reminder of what can happen to our frozen eggs. 
Hello, Mimi. Hi, Valerie. How are you? How are you doing today? Great, thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving me some of your time. How about we start off with you telling everybody about who you are and um, how we got connected? Oh, sure. Well, I am uh, a writer, an author. I uh, spent the last 15 years as a professional ghostwriter and editor of nonfiction books, primarily in the self-help, spirituality, and psychology domain. I have also blogged for many years, Huffington Post, and now Forbes. I just recently started my own parenting blog called Adventures with Twins, and I have blogged pretty extensively about my experience with egg freezing. So I think you had read some of my articles and reached out to me to talk to me about my experience. I was 35, 36 at the time that I was working on a book called Fortitude, which is like fortitude, fortitude with a Y, and it's about women turning 40 and all the issues that we face at that critical juncture. I was... Um, co-authoring that with Sarah Brokaw. And um, she had frozen her eggs a couple of years prior. And when she found out I was single and I really wanted to have kids, she said, you've just got to freeze your eggs. Uh, I had never heard of it. I mean, this was back in 2009 and nobody was talking about it then. Um, So we actually ended up interviewing Dr. Jamie Griffo at NYU, who is one of the world's experts on egg freezing and um, getting a bunch of statistics and stuff from him. And I was blown away. I mean, I knew that fertility declines after the age of 35. I was keenly aware of that. I very much wanted to you know, find a partner and have kids. And I knew that the clock was ticking. However, I did not know how dramatic it is. I mean, he showed these charts and it's like, you know, it's not you're a little bit less fertile each year. It's an exponential curve. It was terrifying. And he also said, you know, he, he said, look, you're not getting less fertile every year after 35. You're getting less fertile every month. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've really got to get on this egg freezing thing. But you know what? It took me a year after I had that conversation with Dr. Grippo to actually get around to doing it. It just it seems scary and intimidating and It took me a year to just wrap my head around it, get my finances in order. So I was 37 when I froze my eggs. Um, And I had a very successful result. I got 18 eggs, which is considered good for my age. (laughs) Certainly not if you were 30, but at 37, it was a good result. And I was really excited um, to have that kind of insurance policy is how I looked at it. But tell everyone Uh, what happened. Yeah, so, but I had this this surprise ending. (laughs) Um, which is that uh, six months after I froze my eggs, I got together with my husband, Kiran, and the love of my life. And it was a total fairy tale. Everything is magical and wonderful. And we fell in love and I moved to L.A. We got married. We started trying to have kids right away. Um, We actually got pregnant and miscarried um, and went through all the kind of stress and strain over you know, fertility treatments and are we going to do it or aren't we? And I said, you know what, let's just use these frozen eggs. I mean, at this point, I was right. Right. Exactly. And at that point I was almost 40 and I thought, this is, this is what they're there for. Let's use them. So I arranged to have them shipped down from San Francisco, which is where I had been living at the time I got them frozen to LA, which is where I'd moved to be with Kiran. And they arrived in LA and I got a call from my doctor saying that they had all been destroyed. Essentially, my eggs were scrambled. They arrived in LA, a complete mess. Um, He said it was very clearly mispacked. It was really like no different than you think about buying eggs at the grocery store and they're in the little carton. And, you know, if they're not put in there carefully, 
they're going to be cracked. And so that's what happened to my eggs. And it was totally devastating. Um, I was really crushed. You know, I just put so much into that emotionally, financially, um, and to just find out that, that that wasn't an option anymore was devastating. So, um, it was a freak accident. I would say, you know, that's not something that you should expect to have happen, but it is good to be aware that, uh, your eggs are very fragile and, um, things can go wrong. Things can go wrong in the freezing, the unfreezing, the shipping, you know, every Human step. Human error is real. Exactly. So, um, and I certainly, if I'd known what a risk I was taking, if they'd really told me, oh, that's a big, that's a risky thing to ship them, I would have just flown to San Francisco and had it done there. So I was pretty upset about that as well. Yeah, that's hard. But you still have a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> the long-term story was after multiple rounds of IVF uh, and a lot of stress and a lot of heartache, uh, we, we had a successful pregnancy. And in fact, I have twins. So yes. It's wonderful. Did you ever think that at some point, like, did you ever give up hope that maybe you weren't going to get pregnant? Yeah, I mean, certainly. Absolutely. You know, I think that was a very realistic possibility. And especially after I failed two rounds of IVF, I mean, I was looking that straight in the, straight in the eyes and um, having conversations with my husband and my family and friends about the possibility of an egg donor or the possibility, possibility of adoption. Uh, one thing I never lost faith in was that I was going to be a mom. I just, I knew with all my heart that I was going to be a mother. That is you know, part of my destiny in life and nothing was going to stop me from that. It just was a question of how it was going to happen. Right. And I, you know, I always tell people that when they start that is you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how things are going to turn out, but if you want to be a mom, you can be a mom. It's wonderful that we live in a time when there are so many possibilities, there are an array of options and just reading about the, you know, the new technology about maybe being able to create new eggs from stem cells. So yeah, there's some exciting stuff happening in the fertility world. That's for sure. Now it's just about all the regulations and getting it approved. Yeah, right. It always takes time. When I froze my eggs, uh, it was still an experimental procedure. Exactly. So yeah, you know, and they were still losing 50% of the eggs in the unfreezing process. I think that's, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like only 10% now or even less, right? Yeah. It's a numbers game, but vitrification has changed the game for eggs. You're very inspirational, and I love your blog and everything you're doing, and just even telling your story so openly is, is amazing because, you know, I'm sure that was a rocky journey. And, um, you know, you, you've come across the other side, but during the process, it probably didn't feel like it was working out. But I remain passionate about writing about it and talking about it because I think it's so important for women to be educated. I mean, my feeling when I started going through the process was, wow, we really aren't talking about this honestly. We have this vague sense of like the clock is ticking, but like people are not, they're not honest about it. And they see celebrities getting pregnant at 50 and they think like, oh, it's not easy. It's expensive. <laughs> you know, there's a lot that goes into, there's a lot you know, and so I just wanted women to be aware of it and to know that this was an option. And in my world, I mean, until that new technology is really approved and developed, I tell people, if you know you want to have kids, if you know you want to have your own biological children and you're kind of on a career path or you haven't met someone, I would freeze your eggs at 30. I wouldn't wait a day past 30, you know, because that is really when you're going to have fabulous results and out. Yeah, and it's better egg quality. You know, yeah. a better insurance policy. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Don't wait till you're 37. <laughs> good advice. That's very good advice. Yeah. 
Um, anything else looking at the past and kind of like speaking to your younger self that you would you would suggest? Well, I mean, I think on the plus side is I think I spent a lot, a lot of time stressing about it, you know, and that didn't help. Right. <laughs> the stressing right. about it. Didn't, any problems. I started, yeah, I started stressing about it when I was like 30, you know, I mean, and it's like, just relax, trust the journey. You're going to get there one way or another. And, you know, I think it's important to feel empowered and, and be knowledgeable and know what the reality is, um, and know what options are available to you. But, you know, beyond that, there's a certain degree which you don't have control and you just need to surrender to, this is my life journey and things are going to unfold, maybe not according to plan. Yeah. You know, that is really hard to do because... I think some of that biological clock is really natural and you can't really predict it or understand why you feel that way. Like it may be just a more of a, a drive than you anticipated um, yes. because you really realize that you want children. And, yes. um, and when you don't have that parenting partner, it's so difficult to trust that process. But I think you have a really good mentality about it. There's like no wrong decisions, right? Like no. in the end, you'll get where you need to go. Exactly. It's very true. I grew so much. I'm just a way more compassionate person. I think I'm a more calm and balanced parent because of it. And I'm grateful for that. Well, thank you for giving us some of your time. Your story is just amazing. And we really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm really glad everyone got to hear Mimi's story and journey with her egg freezing. I'm so thankful she was on the show and able to tell us in person exactly what happened. While it's really disheartening that her eggs died during the transportation from moving from a clinic in San Francisco to a clinic in LA, I think it's important to remember and to see all the sides of egg freezing. As much as I believe in the technology, I want you to be equipped with the knowledge of what can happen in all aspects, good and bad. I think one of the exciting things that I heard Mimi say when we were talking to her today is just how she knew she was going to be a mother. Her commitment to motherhood was so strong. And I think that's an important aspect too to realize because there's many different paths to parenthood. And if we're open to other ideas, it can expand how we become a parent someday. So I want to ask a favor from you all. I hope that you are enjoying the show. I'm really glad that you took the time to check out what Egology Club's all about. But we're really trying to expand our audience and have the show reach a wider array of people. During the break between season one and season two, we were working hard and diligently on getting the Eggology Club podcast on many different platforms. But we want to hear from you. We want to hear how you're listening, what you like about the show, what you want to see more of, what you'd rather see less of, and give us feedback so we can keep improving each episode. So the way you can reach us is through our email, eggologyclub at gmail.com, or we have a Google Plus number, 978-EGG-CLUB. That's 978-344-2582. And feel free to follow us on all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Eggology Club. We also have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group, where members can communicate with each other, talk, share advice, give doctor recommendations or any kind of answer any kind of questions that may be in your mind. 
it's a really great way to stay up with the community and other people freezing maybe the same place you are or at the same time you are for moral support. We're going to be doing some shout outs during this season of listeners just like you that are giving us feedback. And we have some cool prizes that we really want to hand out and send your way. Plus, anybody that leaves us an iTunes review, we will send you a really fun new way to listen to podcasts. They're called Cliques. Maybe you've seen them on some of our social media channels. But essentially, it's like the new mixtape reinvented. We're really good friends with the people that started Cliques. And we want to find cool and unique ways for you to listen to podcasts. Plus, the clique is also a magnet, so we can't wait to see your photos, pictures on social, and all the fun stuff you're doing and where you're cliquing and listening to the Eggology Club podcast. Speaking of which, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. You've heard of Louis, right? Wait, you haven't. Louis is revolutionary. It's new chemical-free protection and contraception that's better than a condom. Women and men are loving Louis because they can get ready before things get hot. That means no interruptions and no awkward moments. Never ask your partner to put on a condom again. Just Louis and you're protected for up to eight hours. Isn't it time to try something better? Use promo code EGGCLUB for 10% off at checkout. To learn more, visit getlouis.com. That's G-E-T-L-U-W-I.com. Louis, let us wear it. All right. So the show's almost over today, but before we end, we do have to give a quick shout out to an Instagram follower who's struck a chord with the Eggology Club. We had a number of people that reached out to us during the break, and we couldn't end the show without telling Sunnyside Ange, great job for a successful egg freezing treatment, a really cool Instagram account, amazing egg freezer, doing your homework, your research. Everybody go follow Sunnyside Ange. It's Sunnyside and then A-N-G-E. She's really remarkable. She's done a lot of research regarding egg freezing. She's a listener of the Eggology Club podcast and making egg freezing fun. If you're doing something cool in the space regarding egg freezing, we'd love to know about it. And we'd love to give you a shout out on the Eggology Club podcast too. So be sure to hit us up and tune in as we dive into other topics about egg freezing, fertility planning, and unique journeys to parenthood. The goal is for you to feel empowered to provide all of this useful information so it destigmatizes exactly what egg freezing is all about and take advantage of the technology if it works for you. So don't forget to tell a friend about the Eggology Club podcast. We really appreciate it. Until next time, Valerie out. You've been listening to episode 14 of the Eggology Club podcast, Transport Trauma. Tune in next time as we talk to Jennifer Frappier. Jennifer not only froze her eggs, but she also documented and produced a short film called Chill that recorded the process. Today's episode of Eggology Club was hosted by Valerie Landis with a special thanks to our guest. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. The theme music is by John Rosso. Cover artwork and logo by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Leave a rating on iTunes and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a reusable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva. Available now with Amazon Prime.